0: Hello there, my name is Baldwin Burgess and I'm with Frontera. Frontera is the leading source for information and access to frontier markets. It's made by and for investment professionals who are looking at what is next in the fastest growing places in the world in the frontier markets. This is the Frontera podcast and today we have a special edition Today we're going to share with you a recording that we made during our last Frontera Investor Group. Now You may not know the Frontera Investor Group and that only makes sense because it's kind of a private secret little group that we run for investors mostly and also experts who are focused on opportunities in the frontier markets. This group we regularly get together on calls and we share our expertise and ideas. If you'd be interested in applying for the group as a member, go to the fronteranews.com website slash fig, F-I-G. It stands for Frontera Investor Group. So that's fronteranews.com slash F-I-G. You can fill out a form and apply for membership. Again, we restrict membership only to people who are real experts in the frontier markets, because this is a brain trust. We're there to share information with each other and insights. When we do these meetings, we have uh, our members of the group uh, on, um, and during an online meeting. And the theme that we wanted to share with you uh, is all about geothermal energy in Latin America we're lifting the veil on one of our meetings we thought we'd give you a little bit of a peek into what really goes on during those meetings and typically what we have is we have a few thought leaders or experts on a certain matter who share their insights with you and uh, for for this special edition we'd like to share with you the the conversation we had about geothermal energy in latin america and we have three gentlemen on this recording So On the call today, we have Alan Beard. He's the Managing Director of Interlink Capital Strategies. Interlink has a fund. Their focus with this fund is to further the opportunity of geothermal exploitation and investment in Latin America. We also have Joseph Samos-Falvi, who is also involved with the fund and is the Managing Director of New Europe Capital Management. And then finally, we have Kerry McCallum, who's the Chief Operations Officers of Dewhurst Group. The three of them are working together to manage this fund. And we found that the insights they shared with us were quite refreshing. It's, um, it's, geothermal energy is one of the, probably one of the most fascinating uh, areas of renewable energy. It's not very well known. It's not commonly discussed. And that's why we thought this conversation was worth sharing with you. We definitely learned a lot from it, gave us some insights into um, you know, why geothermal energy makes so much sense. Hint, it's something that you. that's always on. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit tricky sometimes to exploit, but once you've tapped into it, it just keeps going. And so we're, we're going to dive straight into this conversation. You'll hear my voice as the moderator because I tend to moderate these calls so it's it's very much q a driven and, and some of the members also chip in with questions now the first few seconds are missing but we're going to start recording with uh joseph samos who's giving us a, a bit of an intro into geothermal energy and, and what it could mean for investors so without much further ado let us dive straight into this thank you very much
1: and the finance and the business structuring side so the way I understand it is, you dig uh, a couple of w- holes in the ground, and hot water. You use the, the temperature differential of the water to e- uh, to use for heating and or electricity generation. And that's a, a very simplistic way. And of course, Carrie could, you know, talk hours about the uh, my naivete on the subject. But it, it's uh, that's really the uh, the the main advantage of this power. It's always on. Um, the issue is, is it's hard to define or identify where, where it's located, other than we know that it's uh, usually along fault lines where mm. volcanic activity is prevalent. Okay. So the geothermal has, um, you know, from the Philippines to New Zealand, Iceland, Africa, Latin America, uh, U.S., California, uh, that has uh, many different uh, installations and applications and maybe even in Europe, in some places, but it has been uh, recently looked at with um, a greater desire where baseload renewable is um, is just not available to the extent that climate change and and other uh, institutions who are heavily investing in renewable could balance the intermittence of solar and wind and other uh, sources. So the the other options for baseload, of course, remain um, nuclear or coal, which are not preferred in in many instances. So geothermal really comes in as as a new resource that has been to date vastly uh, underdeveloped. Germany, uh, KFW, is really spearheading this because I think they would like to as you might know of Germany's issues with uh, uh, the the overloading their grid with uh, solar to some extent, and uh, maybe even destabilizing the grid. So they would like to have just a general uh, acceptance and understanding of this um, technology. This means specifically for us, our task in Latin America is to create this fund. It's a grant fund Mm -hmm. that uh, provides a forty percent grant along uh, co investment or equity investment from uh, developers to drill to do surface studies first of all, and then drill the first three holes in the ground, mm-hmm. as I mentioned just a little briefly before the geothermal development seems to be beyond of a technical issue it 's really a financing issue because nobody seems to want to finance. Mm-hmm. Exploratory risk, right? That's uh, Mm -hmm. that's a huge risk and uh, not bankable today. Um, So these multilateral agencies have looked at it and said, okay, what could we do to take this risk off the table and mitigate it? um, You know, using our additionality into the market. So Joseph, can you elaborate on that risk,
0: so we can better understand, we can benchmark that risk against other types of risk that 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 other uh, either
2: uh, investors or project developers may prefer? Yeah, but so the risk profile is similar to what we find in the oil and gas business. The the exploration technologies and the exploration techniques that we use are more or less the same. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a similar risk trying to find a resource in the ground that's difficult to get to and that's of an unknown quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we differ from, where geothermal differs from oil and gas is that we don't have a relatively predictable market once the resource is extracted and we have much longer timelines for development as well. So what we find is that an investor or developer faces very high risks in the very early stages of development. So that includes the exploration, although the costs are low at that stage, uh, and the drilling. So for example, for drilling three wells, uh, the cost to drill those three wells is approximately $20 million. But at the end of the day, you may end up with uh, with no resource, or with, with mm-hmm. you'll know more about the resource, but it might be that you know that it does not exist. So that's that's really the critical the critical point for risk in geothermal development is that stage of early early drilling.
0: So you know, basically, in in my simplistic view of this, uh, if you, so if you compare geothermal, it's pretty much like looking for oil, and the unknowns are much bigger than what you would have, for example, with uh, wind. Uh, hydro solar or even biofuel which which basically you can you can there's obviously uh, um, bandwidth issues with wind and, uh, and, and I guess the same is, is kind of true with, with biofuel but uh, is that is it fair to say that it, that generally policies have gone more towards the more tangible strategies like those versus having to go and take that uh, exploration risk?
2: Exactly, and that's, that's especially true in the United States, and it's somewhat true in these developing markets, although there are differences, uh, obviously, because uh, solar and wind are less, you know, you have to find a good resource to make it work. With geothermal, you, you can find a, a much greater resource, but the risks of finding it are higher. Uh, just on another point to do with hydro, so hydro is a natural competitor to geothermal, but again, especially in Latin America, Hydro development is on the back burner these days because it creates so much environmental uh, impacts, and uh, you know the regulatory and and the uh, social problems surrounding it are making it less and less attractive as a as a as an alternative.
0: Also, uh, for a policymaker, it's actually okay. I, I see what you mean. It's probably safer for them to drill a hole somewhere than to disrupt the water flow of a community. I see. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Mm. Right, Joseph, sorry for interrupting you. Uh, but now we understand the risk a little bit better. So. You know,
3: maybe I can insert kind of a, a little bit of a, a thirty thousand foot view of, of kind of a development in Latin America in general, and then specifically how that works with new technologies and ultimately geothermal. Okay. And and and. And and this is kind of complementary to what Kerry and Joseph have talked about. But what you find in emerging markets in Latin America is is no different, is that the ability to obtain long-term funding sources is very hard to come by. Mm -hmm. Generally, when uh, capital markets in the U.S. and Europe and and, uh, to a lesser extent Asia uh, want to go into – Emerging markets they want to go into kind of liquid investments and and it's fickle So, you know two years ago everybody wanted to follow the bricks now not so much mm-hmm. um, And so that ability to tap into this very uh, Long-term funding which is necessary when you're doing infrastructure is, is problematic and that's really the role of these development finance institutions whether it's KFW in Germany or here in the United States, we have something called the Export-Import Bank or the Overseas Private Investment Corporation. These institutions are set up to try and provide long-term affordable debt, uh, not, not concessionary debt, but affordable debt into markets where it just doesn't exist. And maybe just adding to that, Alan,
1: to provide it specifically
3: through private,
1: for entities, and this is not government-to-government lending, um, although that also exists, but what we are talking about specifically here is uh, providing risk mitigation, equity grants or loans to, to private projects.
3: Right. And, and, and so in this space, whether it's, it's government-to-government or private sector funding, these, these institutions essentially are trying to take capital out of the first world and put it into the third world. On a long-term basis, and it, the obligation is expected to be paid back. And so that Latin America is chronically—it's uh, it, it, very difficult to get three, five, seven, ten-year money that approximates something that we would recognize in the United States or Western Europe. And so that's that's the reason for these institutions.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So these institutions want to by their nature, because they're they're government either owned or influenced or controlled, they want to encourage private sector development. And in the energy space, because of what's going on with the global warming and and public policy, they want to encourage Latin America, just like everywhere else, to move into solar and wind and and, and other renewable types of, of energy. But that poses certain additional risks. Already, these institutions are dealing with the risks of emerging markets, which tend to be more volatile, less stable, less transparent. But now you're dealing with new technologies that, frankly, in some cases, haven't completely been proven, or their applications in new situations haven't been proven. And so, as lenders, this makes it more difficult for them to to lend long term because they're not only dealing with the market conditions but they're dealing with the technology conditions. And as as the technologies get more mature, that becomes less and less of a problem. Mm. And then you finally drop down to geothermal. And while it's a new technology in terms of its uh, its uh, development, it's a technology that's been around for a hundred years or more. In terms of its application, it's been used very limited. In Latin America and so you have a new technology risk and then on top of that you have what Kerry and Joseph have been talking about which is this is fundamentally an exploratory risk and in general uh, institutions don't want to take that speculative risk and that that tends to be the case in in oil expo- exploration just as it does in geothermal exploration the expectation is that that's the riskiest part of the of the development and that should therefore be done with equity and again if, mm. if the equity is looking at at market risks and they look at what's going on in emerging markets versus what's going on in the United States chances are they're going to put their money in fracking up in North Dakota instead mm. of in, uh, in uh, uh, developing something in uh, in Bolivia for instance yeah, so it's, that, it's that's kind in that of a format, broad yeah.
0: view of yeah. where this fits Okay. And so have the other development finance institutions already crossed the line on this uh, and or the uh, sovereign wealth funds? Are they they already involved in this or is KFW really a pioneer here?
3: So they're all all trying to address this issue. Um, Some of them are more aggressively addressing it than others. And KFW is probably as aggressive as anybody in doing this. And they've Mm -hmm. actually created a similar fund in East Africa, although in that case it's really more of a uh, public-private partnership versus this fund that we are setting up in Latin America will be more of a private sector initiative. But it addresses the same issue, that that early-stage risk that only equity is willing to to, to fund, and that equity uh, has a lot of competing… places where it wants to go. And so by, in effect, subsidizing, if you will, and that's not necessarily viewed as a good word in today's climate, but mm-hmm. by, in effect, subsidizing that early risk,
0: you're encouraging people to go into these markets where they wouldn't go into normally. Okay. And so this fund, is it structured think- as a as a private equity fund? Is it, does it have LPs and GPs or is it a... Is it one, Claire? Are you only doing this for KFW? Are you also opening it up to uh, uh, third-party investors? uh,
1: So initially, this it's being the the first closing is done solely with the government funds from the EU and KFW. However, we are in discussions with other groups: uh, World Bank, uh, IDB, CAF. North Fund, you know, mm-hmm. all these multilateral agencies, development agencies, they all have pledged some level of commitment, including DFID, AfB. So we probably will um, look at this as a hundred million dollar uh, fund, approximately, for this very early stage, this initial stage. Albeit, um, you know, KFW is really not opposed to having others participate in this. Mm-hmm. The 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 structure of this fund is set up as a grant fund, which means um, the exploratory risk is borne fully by these institutions, meaning that if uh, the first three wells, to which again we are funding 40 percent of that, the rest of the funding has to come from the, uh, the developer. Uh, if there is no successful well found and, and there's no the project is unsuccessful, the grant is forgiven or written off, so it's uh, hmm. some of these institutions are not looking for the return of the money. Um, so it's you know it might be more complicated for a private investor who would prefer to have at least recovery of principal.
0: Right.
1: This um, I I I think the opportunities here, frankly, for private funds unless they, they want to invest on a. Impact level or some type of a technical assistance level uh, is to to fund alongside the fund fund specifically the developers equity needs, which as I mentioned, you know we are providing 40%. The developers will look for equity to fund uh, provide funding for the rest of the the well. Mm. The other attractive nature, what I'd like to mention in this structure, is that. When these government agencies identify a target sector they don't just put money up front like with our fund as i mentioned with a hundred million dollar fund uh, they already created follow-on investment windows including ongoing risk mitigation with munich um, for the next five wells all, as well as to the project financing level so these facilities into the Billions of dollars have been already committed by KfW, with uh, it to assure that as successful projects are found um, within our portfolio, they will have uh, long-term financing, follow-on financing to complete this to generation, so to creating actually the, the power plants uh, that will be, you know, con- contractually providing the um, uh, the power to the nation. So this is a. By the way, I'm not sure if I mentioned it's 10 countries, all the way from Chile to, uh, I get Mexico is not included, but uh, it goes up all the way the the uh, fault line,
0: if you will. Okay. Yeah. So thanks for that. Let, let's let's zoom in a little bit more onto the uh, into the Latin uh, renewable energy. Describe um, the opportunity on the continent for us. Uh, if you would draw a map, where is most of this taking place? Is this in the type countries like Argentina, Chile, or is it, uh, could give us a, a little bit of a, a roundup of the, of the main places to go and uh, look for geothermal energy?
2: Sure. So uh, I, if I could jump in here really quickly. So just from KFW's perspective, they're sponsoring projects in 10 different countries, five in the Andean region, which is essentially South America, and five in the, Central American region. So the five in the South American region include Colombia, uh, Bolivia, Ecuador, Peru, and Chile. Uh, each one of those countries sits within the Ring of Fire and has, uh, you know, numerous geothermal resources. No. However, currently stands there is no geothermal development within those countries that that's completed. There is hopefully one power plant going online in Chile next year, but as for now, there is zero. Zero megawatts produced from geothermal within that region. Uh, and then, if we look at the Central American region, we have um, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Guatemala. Now, Central America has existing sites in or existing production sites in El Salvador, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and Honduras. Uh, with Costa Rica, being the greatest, has the greatest capacity at the moment, about 200 megawatts. Followed closely by El Salvador, which also has 200 megawatts, hmm. and then uh, Honduras and Guatemala have some small sites as well.
0: Okay. Uh, if we look a bit beyond that, yeah, so intuitively, kind of makes sense that where there's a, you know, where there's a fault line, uh, there would be that kind of energy. What's how does that work for countries? Uh, you know Honduras and Costa Rica, and for that area, what are the dynamics that generate this energy? Uh,
2: they're actually at the uh, confluence of three, okay. three, three continental plates, so they're all squishing up against each other essentially and creating fractures and fissures in the earth that lend themselves to uh, volcanoes. There are large stratovolcanoes in each one okay. of those countries. Okay, that makes sense. And then uh, looking beyond that, we obviously have Mexico. Mexico is the number one producer of geothermal electricity in Latin America. It currently has an installed capacity of approximately one gigawatt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mexico is the focus of a lot of development at the moment because they are in the midst of deregulating their electricity market and specifically geothermal. Mm -hmm. So essentially at the moment in Mexico, all geothermal is owned by the Commission Federal, de Electricidad or CFE of Mexico. And that's they're not being split up with their existing sites, but they do have a, they do own a number of concessions which are being um, essentially uh, opened for for private investment or you know others to come in and and, and develop. Uh, there is a similar scheme to the KFW scheme that's being implemented in Mexico. is a fifty million dollar scheme run by the Inter American Development Bank, uh, which provides grant funding for uh, new exploration and new drilling within projects solely in Mexico to try and help the uh, the deregulation of that sector uh, go forward. Uh, and there is also um, interest in the Caribbean countries as well. So Dominica, St. Lucia, St. Kitts, uh, a number of islands that are looking at geothermal. And uh, IDB is also providing a similar KFW-type scheme to, to those places as well.
0: Okay. So, uh, uh, so if I can understand it correctly, right now, these are always operated at the at the government level. So, are, are there any private corporations active in this space at the moment?
2: Absolutely. Uh, especially, in, uh, Honduras has ORMAT, is a large producer of geothermal energy around the world. So, they have a project and, I think, a plant in Nicaragua. Uh, Costa Rica is publicly owned. El Salvador is publicly owned. And there is a... I think Guatemala is some kind of PPP, although I'm not not 100 percent on that. In South America… Harry, the-
3: we, 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 Harry we finance the ORMAP plant in Guatemala, and that's private sector.
2: Yeah, and then uh, NL Green Power has the plant in Chile, which should be operational uh, next year. Okay. So geothermal really lends itself to actually being developed through IPPs, or independent power producers. Uh, if, so long as there's no, you know, country, there's no one, it's often the case where it's 100% government owned or it's 100% not government owned. There are some quasi PPP situations, but there are quite a number of independent power producers as well.
3: Okay. And I think it's important to make clear that while the funding may be uh, from governments or quasi-government institutions, We call them development finance institutions. The actual recipients of these loans or investment are generally private sector uh, organizations, companies, or public-private partnerships. So even in our, our fund that we're talking about with KFW in Latin America, there will be a significant amount of the applicants that are independent power producers and their private sector companies there will we certainly have the ability to provide the funding to government institutions who are also developing geothermal but the expectation is that there will certainly be a, a very large amount of private sector users of this uh, attractive money
0: mm-hmm I'd also be quite interested in your, your view on. We're living in a, in a very strange time right now, and there seem to be a few black swans coming down the creek. Um, one that is increasingly being spoken about is another major disruption in the, in the finance industry, specifically banks, specifically in my part of the world, Europe. Uh, but, but I think we're also looking at a potential, you know, that there's this word about uh, a, a potential further decline in, in oil prices and so on. How would you position this opportunity in that kind of world? I mean, for example, what would the implication be if we effectively do have a serious uh, financial industry crisis again? Uh, how would that affect your projects, or what would be the benefits of, of looking at uh, these kind of investments? If you have an opinion well, on. It. Well, from
1: our, just as Joseph, just uh, maybe t- let me take this quickly, and then everybody else can join. But I think yeah. you know, advantage. Of these development financial institutions, and to me, it's an attractive nature to to be putting money into this sector. They tend to be lenders of last resort in several mm-hmm. cases, and when the commercial world banking stops lending, these institutions will continue lending. So that's uh, that's one long-term commitment mm-hmm. for me to this sector. And even though, if uh, you know the the big banks. Um, in international banks or even Latin America banks, commercial banks, start uh, into this sector. There is a commitment from the, the governments, the international governments, to continue supporting these transactions to completion. Mm-hmm. So, from from an equity investor's perspective, you have a a, a, a guaranteed financing if you will as long as your project obviously is successful but you, mm-hmm. you have the ability to to get it financed and completed with uh, senior debt all the way till the creation to the creation of the the, the uh, electricity generation facility mm-hmm. and another advantage that I would say that maybe we it, it tends to get underemphasized sometimes, but when these lenders of last resort provide their financing, and of course in this case also provide the earliest stage equity, um, but they, you know, the, the, the governments um, which might have be risky in some of these countries that you heard, mm-hmm. Nicaragua <laughs> among others, um, they tend to respect these projects and uh, leave them alone in the sense that uh, uh, expropriation or political risk is minimized. Now, it still is a possibility, but I think uh, wh- whereas uh, projects might default on other debts, these types of debts are are, are the ones that uh, um, people will stick to and not default on because they know, they're aware that as lenders of last resort, this is truly the last chance that they can get.
0: Yeah, I, from a from an investment perspective, what from what I'm hearing here, what it attracts me to is the idea of this is probably a very good credit risk. So this is the kind of uh, this is the kind of risk that I want to own bonds against, you know. Because yeah, you're right. There is a there is there is that lender of last resort behind it, but it's also um, geothermal, as you mentioned way in the beginning of the call. It's always switched on, and it's uh, it's quite scalable, isn't it? That's right. No. And, 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 and think,
1: of course, these are long-term. Go ahead. And, and and the back end you're dealing with long term power purchase agreements for the completed project once of course the resource has been developed but yeah ultimately you're dealing with long term projects that uh, um, are, are backed with in some cases you know sovereign power purchase agreements or or credit what utilities these are provided by the utilities or by the governments themselves so again that's in, in that sense um, you are setting up for a, a, a solid um, risk mitigated approach.
0: Well, yeah, even though the exploration sort of carries an amount of risk, the rest of it is pretty much a hedge against the financial system, uh, I guess you could say, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, how how does this work with these governments? Do you, does, do you still need to do a lot of convincing or has there penny dropped that this is going to emancipate them from external energy needs? I mean, what's the policy landscape like? Are these guys there? Are they waiting for you guys to uh, to come and, and do this or is there still a lot of uh, convincing to be done?
2: Yeah, policy is actually one of the... Uh, Go ahead, Joseph. Go ahead.
1: No, I, I, you take it.
2: Yeah, so policy—the policy framework for each one of the countries, especially in Latin America, is is completely different from place to place. So it's actually one of the largest barriers to development in some of these countries, uh, especially Chile, uh, especially Peru, um, and some of the, the Central American countries as well. We've seen great strides, especially in Mexico, where they've deregulated their electricity market and provided actual incentives for the for the further development of geothermal resources within within the country. So that's good, Uh, but other countries are not so much. Uh, Geothermal needs, geothermal obviously, as as any any electrical producer would want, is is some kind of incentive from the government to go out and explore for these resources. But also, there needs to be an overall and an overarching uh, generation policy for the country as well. So we actually find that uh, what's driving, especially the recent development in some of these countries is the willingness of, of countries to, to really diversify the electricity matrix to try and get away from hydro. Uh, so you mentioned the, the low price of oil. Uh, we haven't seen much impact uh, from that on the sector itself at the moment, largely because these countries don't, you know, they're not providing their electrical grid with, with, with oil. You know, they're not, they're not using oil to produce their electricity. So that's muted things a little bit, and also uh, there's been a corresponding drop in uh, exchange rates as well. So actually, a lot of the savings you're seeing from cheap oil aren't being passed
0: on to these countries because they have also a high exchange rate. So yeah, in some exactly, way, uh, it's a reasonable pitch. To those seven wealth funds, uh, to, you know, to do something with whatever's left uh, after this oil slump, I guess.
2: Yeah, and. I don't know if anyone's looking at replacing, you know, some coal fired plants or, or other thermal facilities with we're not seeing it anyway. Uh, and there are actually opportunities in that drop as well. So the drop in oil prices freed up a lot of capacity, especially with drilling rigs.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So the the drill hole has dropped probably twenty or thirty percent in the last two years. So that's actually created, you know, kind of a nice time to go out and drill as well.
0: All right, okay. Great so um, and are there any uh, other things that, um, that that you that you find difficult to explain usually to uh, to investors or the people uh, to the world around you and what, what are the, like, the most misunderstood things about your term that, that you think people should really get if there's any I, I would say that you
3: know you're dealing with Beyond geothermal, when you're dealing in these emerging markets with the perceptions or misperceptions of risk in given countries, and so as I said earlier, when you've got capital that uh, is is willing to uh, invest in treasuries but are at uh, negative spreads, and you're trying to convince people to invest in a place like Nicaragua, that that can be a hard proposition to sell and I think what what we're kind of bringing to the marketplace whether it's through this fund or whether it's through our skill set of tapping into these other risk mitigation programs is that we can we can take a a good solid project in a marginal country and make it a, a pretty good investment opportunity including uh, wrapping it with political risk insurance, so that if uh, that day comes when you have a, a failed to attempt, like what happened in Turkey a couple of weeks ago, or mm-hmm. or you know whatever uh, surprises happen, you can ultimately protect your your risk with a, a kind of an insurance wrap to make sure you're made whole. And 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 that's that's a powerful proposition when you're a country like Nicaragua or, or Bolivia where people frankly the first thing they think of when they hear those countries is why would I ever want to invest a dime in that that part of the world
1: hmm. and again I think in my view to add to Alan's when everybody's looking for a yield in the world not much of it is uh, coming forth from the developed markets and um, it, you know, with, as Alan mentioned the negative rates uh, low growth rates where 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 the yield is is in is, is some of these emerging markets frankly and um, it is it is possible to create a structure following some of these institutions frankly in the sectors where they invest to to risk mitigate and and uh, uh, lock in positive yields attractive ones even mm-hmm.
0: You know what's also really interesting wait, wait. is
3: so, so 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 just just by comparison, if you're looking at a renewable project in the states and you can get in the in the low teens, that's something that you know is very attractive. But you're you're talking about still getting you know returns of of uh, maybe even in the the, the 20s
0: for right. a power project in a you know marginal country like Guatemala. That indeed is a pitch. That is a good pitch. That's right. You know what's, what I find? Um, and I, uh, go ahead. Just to add to that as well, so you might
2: be thinking, okay, well, this is nice in theory and it's all great. These got these plans. Excellent. Uh, to give you an example, these same strategies that we've been talking about today have been uh, used in Kenya extensively over the last 10 years. And that's essentially what what it's modeled on. And you know that country's geothermal potential, uh, geothermal production has gone from 100 megawatts in 2007 to over 600 megawatts today, and that represents more of more or less, an investment of 10 billion dollars. So,
1: mm.
2: you know, these things can work in a developing market. They've been shown to work, and uh, that's what we're trying to roll out here as well.
0: Yet again, Kenya becomes the uh, the, the case study for all to focus on. It, it's it's an amazing place, isn't it? It's become the case study for so many things. Uh... Disruptive finance? No, it's it's interesting times we're living here. One thing I find kind of uh, interesting is this is the um, I don't frequently have a conversation about Latam without Brazil not even being mentioned once. Is is Brazil out of the picture in this uh, game, or is it, we, we more haven't or less? Mentioned Brazil. <laughs> is there a reason for
2: it? Yeah, Brazil Brazil is pretty much out. It just doesn't have the doesn't yeah. have the resources. It's too far. It's too far from the. Um, from the plate boundaries, there's just... Okay. I mean, there's some low temperature oil and gas, deep oil and gas wells, but yeah. for power production, and not so much, yet.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
3: but, but just to be clear, we're talking about you know primarily geothermal, obviously places in brazil mm-hmm. uh, brazil's frankly pioneered biofuels yeah and uh, and is very aggressive in other renewable technologies. Mm-hmm. This one just doesn't happen to to, to fit their uh, their endowment as a as a country yeah interesting
2: we should mention uh, Argentina as well Argentina has great geothermal resources, but obviously it's been stuck in in uh, development purgatory for quite a while, so that's sort yeah. of it's definitely there, and it's definitely on the radar. It's just not happening so much at the moment, right now.
1: I mean, I just to give you the latest information, or maybe this is uh, this, this group might appreciate this. We just had a phone call last week with uh, AFD, the French Development Bank, and KFW, who both mentioned. Actually, the French have already um, they're reopening Argentina, and uh, they follow. So it is our next. Uh, In the the near future, we will be very much looking into making this facility available to Argentina as well. Even though originally it wasn't part of the countries, uh, everybody is very actively looking for uh, uh, providing this, uh, the, the, you know, the the resource of this facility for
0: Argentina. Okay. Are there any more questions uh, from people we haven't heard so far on the call? I would like to
4: uh... Make a question. Um, initially, at the beginning of this conversation, um, you, you, you described that um, it's, uh, it's a relatively risky proposition to actually tap into the resources. Uh, so, from the perspective of private equity um, investment, would would it be correct to say that uh, it is kind of like angel investing, where you should divide uh, the allotment to, say, five different projects and then presume that at least some of them will produce. Um, because that's, uh, that's actually... Go ahead.
1: No, sorry, I, I, I was just going to say that that's uh, precisely the model that the German government itself is following with this model, instead of just... Uh, Uh, going project, they are diversifying um, their investment or grants in this case across many different sectors or many different countries and and resources to try to find um, the best ones on a portfolio basis. So yes, uh, the the short answer to your question is yes.
2: And And that's exactly how big companies like Ormet or NL Green Power operate as well. They 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 find a number of sites, and they keep whittling them down until they they end up with a a good one.
4: There was a number mentioned that uh, the projected returns or calculated returns should be in teens, even up to 20%. Does it mean those those numbers are already aggregated, meaning that uh, those failed projects uh, are are accounted for in, in that target number?
1: Correct. We, uh, we did not provide this – the number we, we specifically said about the project um, basis once uh, a a project is uh, – yes. So, we're not talking from early-stage investment all the way to the end. That's that's correct.
3: Okay. So, when I, when I say that you can hit returns in the mid-20s, what we're saying is, uh, let's say in using this KFW facility, you find the resource that uh, generates uh, seven megawatts or thereabouts, and you're able to, uh, to build a, a successful uh, power generation facility with the appropriate uh, power purchase agreement and, and what have you, that project from beginning to end could certainly have more than a 20% return in Latin America for the equity.
4: That means already investing in a proven resource uh, or that's, that's, resource that's that has very potential. Okay, that's
3: correct. Not we're not counting the, the 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 four holes that were you know drilled somewhere else and uh,
4: nothing happened. <laughs> but that said, <laughs> because it. Right. it must be that, that would be incredibly easy to find funding for resource resource that is already proven if. Uh, if you show someone in uh, you know, a term sheet for a project that is already about to produce and uh, it has proven resources and yields uh, you know, I just throw a number to twenty percent, then that should be no brainer but that's not what is on the offer per se yeah exactly I won't say it's
3: easy, but it's easier because you're dealing in emerging markets and all the things we've talked about before but but this is why this this Funding that KFW and IDB have come up with this exploratory cost sharing, if you will, has been part of the logjam of why geothermal has not been developed uh, successfully in places like Latin America, because it's it is risky. And and so what they're trying to do is address that issue head on and say we will subsidize some of that exploration because we think this is ultimately a good. Uh, uh, energy uh, uh, mix to, to, to add to the grid
0: hmm. interesting any any more questions all right uh, once again uh, I, I feel like I'm coming away from my call with a lot I've learned a lot of things here it's an, it's, an, it's an interesting um segment to focus on. I think my takeaways here are, uh, first and foremost, uh, it seems like uh, it's using a similar technology we've been using for a long time with oil. And and I, I guess everything has to do with the technological side of things. That's quite encouraging. So it's, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel. In fact, if, if oil becomes an industry that doesn't really work anymore, uh, there is still hope to use that same kind of skill set, I guess, for geothermal. Another uh, conclusion I guess I'm coming away for is, this may just be the kind of uh, allocation that investors may sh- should consider if they're uh, worried about uh, global finance, and I'm finding a good credit risk to hedge against that. Uh, that. Those are, I think, my two main conclusions when I'm coming away from this call. I
3: think that's a good observation.
0: Hmm. Gentlemen, thank you very much. This was insightful. I really appreciate your time and, uh, and, your, and your insights. We no, appreciate the opportunity. You. And and thanks, thanks everyone for being on the call. All right. Thank you very much for your time and for listening. I hope you took away something from this. I certainly did. I learned all about an opportunity that was not on my radar until now. And if you'd like to join the Frontera Investor Group, please feel free to go to www.fronteranews.com forward slash FIG. You can apply for membership there. I hope you'll take the time to do it and we hope to see you there. Thank you very much.